Hello, everybody. Welcome as we continue on in our study of the Old Testament. We're working through the Old Testament a week, a chapter at a time, week by week. Um, we've come off a five-year study of the New Testament where we work through every chapter there, and we are now um, uh, 20 weeks into a 15-year study of the Old Testament, um, uh, you know, unless Jesus comes back before then. So that would be a great time to stop because none of us would be here. So uh, I like looking at the Bible this way. Uh, I think it's an important process to um, look at the Bible in context. That's why we went through the New Testament the way we did. Um, you know, the Old Testament and the New Testament really complete one another. You need them both. Uh, there's some hard things you have to look at when you read through all, all of the Scripture. Uh, last week was one of those examples. Genesis 19 is a very sad chapter, I think. And so we looked at that last week. Uh, we'll be in Genesis 20 this week. Um, you know, it's not a very long chapter, and there's not a lot of events that take place, but um, as we look through it, you're going to see that Abraham um, sort of falls back into an old pattern, and it's, uh, and, and so I, I think it's fascinating to look at those things. Um, I think we can... He makes these guys and men and women relatable, but we'll talk about them more as we go. Um, Genesis is a fascinating study in and of itself. Uh, Fifty odd chapters in Genesis. The first part of Genesis um, sort of covers four main events: the creation, the fall, um, the flood, and the Tower of Babel. And so you spend your first sort of 11 or so chapters dealing with those things. And then, um, beginning from there and moving f forward in the, in the rest of the book of Genesis, we're kind of dealing with four guys um, and all of the people around them. So don't, the, you know, the whole families around them, the women around them, the friends, the nations, all those things. But the four main sort of people in the story from that point forward are Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, you probably heard those names before, the patriarchs, and Joseph. And, and so um, you, you'll see how all these things happen moving through there. Also remember, very important that you look um, from Genesis 3.15 until Jesus comes, uh, the first coming of Jesus and the cross, the, throughout the Old Testament you can find what we call the um, crimson thread of redemption. And that from the point of the fall, Genesis 3.15 records the, the moving forward that God was making a way in Jesus for man to be redeemed and at the cross that actually took place. And that whole process is, is recorded for us in the Old Testament and it works its way through there and we'll see the enemy trying to attack it. Um, and, and so, um, you know, you need to be aware of what's happening throughout the process. And even in... in uh, what we see Abraham doing again, you know, as he, the journey begins, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and, and how all these things are going to take place, um, <clears throat> where Abraham will once again sort of give his wife away because of his own fear and how that could have messed up the plan if, if it had been allowed to proceed. But we'll watch that it doesn't. So, you know, as we look at this, um, this chapter together here in just a minute, like I said, it, it, it shouldn't be a real long study tonight because of the, the sort of the events. But if you, if you didn't know who Abraham was as you look at this chapter, uh, and, and from all the discussion we've had and you've seen all of the, the good movement that he's made, 
And, and you read about the uh, two guys that are sort of prevalent in this chapter, Abraham and Abimelech. Um, you, you would, uh, if you were asked which of the two men was the believer without any of the sort of history going up to it, you would pick Abimelech because he operates with way more integrity in this chapter, chapter than Abraham does. But Abimelech is not a believer. Um, and so, so there's a difference. Uh, and, you know, Abraham acts very selfishly and Abimelech responds with generosity. Um, he seems to have the better character. Um, and yet Abraham is the friend of God. So it's kind of an interesting dynamic. Uh, but even as you look at sort of Abraham's failures, uh, we learn from them. And, and my hunch is that that's why these things are recorded for us in Scripture. Uh, and I'm, I, like I said, I appreciate that these, not only their victories, but their failures are recorded throughout the Old Testament and New Testament. Because if we didn't see that, we, we would, I think we would give, somebody like me would give up because I can't, I know I can't compete because there's so many messes in my life. Uh, and, you know, why am I even doing it? But when you see that they, there's people who, they love God. They're trying. He's a friend of God. He's, but he gets caught up the way we all do and makes some bad choices. So we see that happen here in Genesis 20. So let me um, read it to you and then we'll talk about it together on the other side of the reading. I'm going to be reading out of the New International Version. Uh, that's what's in the notes that you have. It'll probably show up on the screen. But whatever translation you have is fine for this study. Genesis 20, beginning in verse 1. Now Abraham moved on from there into the region of the Negev and lived between Kadesh and Shur. For a while he stayed in Gerar, and there Abraham said of his wife Sarah, She is my sister. Then Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent for Sarah and took her. But God came to Abimelech in a dream one night and said to him, You're as good as dead because of the woman you have taken. She is a married woman. Now Abimelech had not gone near to her, so he said, Lord, will you destroy an, in destroy an innocent nation? Did she not say to me, she is my sister? Did he not say to me, she is my sister? Didn't she also say, he is my brother? I have done this with a clear conscience and clean hands. Then God said to him in the dream, yes, I know that you did this with a clear conscience, and so I have kept you from sinning against me. That is why I did not let you touch her. Now return the man's wife, for he is a prophet, and he will pray for you and you will live. But if you do not return her, you may be sure that you and all yours will die. Early the next morning, Abimelech summoned all his officials. And when he told them all that had happened, they were very much afraid. Then Abimelech called Abraham in and said, What have you done to us? How have I wronged you that you have brought such great guilt upon me and my kingdom? You've done things to me that should not be done. And Abimelech asked Abraham, What was your reason for doing this? And Abraham replied, I said to myself, there is surely no fear of God in this place, and they will kill me because of my wife. Besides, she really is my sister, the daughter of my father, though not of my mother, and she became my wife. And when God had me wander from my father's household, I said to her, This is how you can show your love to me. Everywhere we go, say of me, He is my brother. Then Abimelech brought sheep and cattle and male and female slaves and gave them to Abraham, and he returned Sarah, his wife, to him. And Abimelech said, My land is before you. Live wherever you like. To Sarah he said, I'm giving your brother a thousand shekels of silver. This is to cover the offense against you before all who are with you. You are completely vindicated. Then Abraham prayed to God and God healed Abimelech, his wife, and his slave girl so they could have children again. For the Lord had closed up every womb in Abimelech's household because of Abraham's wife, Sarah. Blessed be the word of the Lord.
So, uh, fascinating sort of process um, that takes place here. And not the first time we've seen Abraham use this particular maneuver. Uh, and, and the last time had resulted, you know, in uh, them, you know, being in Egypt and all of the trouble that Egypt had caused, especially with Lot and his family and the, the pull of the world. And um, we, we'd seen that, you know, it, it appeared that Abraham and Sarah had repented of this whole process. And yet here we are, not that many years later, and we're dealing with basically the same thing. Abraham uses this deception um, to protect himself. And um, it, it's, you know, it's at the expense of his wife, it's at the expense of his reputation, uh, at the expense of his integrity, at the expense of his witness, um, and all because of fear uh, that, that comes upon him in the process. And so, you know, even though Abraham, he's one of the, he's like the hero of our faith. This is a guy who gets it and got it and did it, still falls into uh, fear and temptation and chooses to, to do the, the wrong thing and turns back to a sinful act, um, which w could easily have become a pattern because of the way he'd had it set up whenever he suspected his life was in danger. And he sort of had his, uh, you know, he had had his wife go along with it saying, if you really do love me, this is what you do wherever we go. So, so she did. So, um, you know, I look at this and, and I, again, I'm thankful that it's in the book. I, I, for me, it makes me appreciate the Bible even more that um, these things are recorded for us. You know, like the story of, of Noah after the flood, getting drunk and, you know, getting naked. And it's not the stuff that you teach in children's church um, and that whole story of the flood, but it's recorded for us in the Bible. Um, Moses loses his temper. We see that happen in Numbers. David commits adultery uh, and then plots the death of, uh, you know, a valiant soldier to try and cover it all up. These things are written down in the Scripture. Um, they are not there to encourage us to sin, um, but I, they serve as a warning that if we're, if we're not diligent, if we're not continually pressing in, that these are possibilities because they happen to people of great faith. Those, those three that I just listed were all people that were friends of God, loved God, um, you know, did incredible things in the kingdom of God, and yet also uh, failed at times horrifically in the um, in sin and it doesn't excuse sin you know it's not we're not to sin we're not sort of to go out of our way to do that we need to live doing the next right thing that's on us and we have the Holy Spirit to help us uh, to to do the next right thing and to to you know we're to be yielding with him as we grow in that um, but but we also see that that it's not beyond us to um, choose ways that we shouldn't and so I, I think it's a constant reminder of how important it is to stay connected to God and to, to look to Him constantly and to desire to do the next right thing in the process and never take it for granted, this walk that we're on. Um, but, but we need to be aware of what's, what's happening. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 10 it says, you know, let him who thinks he stands take heed be, so you don't fall. Um, that's what can happen. If we, if we don't sort of realize that we have a very real enemy who does not want us to live this thing well. We need to be careful. So why did Abraham do it? 
Uh, why did Abraham sin? Great question. Why did we all sin? Well, he has a sin nature, so that's part of it. Um, is it there? You know, um, uh, and so, you know, Abraham, you know, he had a new name, but he still was dealing at some level with his old nature, as we all do at some level. Uh, and, um, you know, we can have victory over our old nature as we yield to the Spirit, but it's not automatic. We, it's, it's walking in the Spirit is, is what keeps us from temptation. Uh, and yet here comes Abraham. He's lived in Hebron, where they'd been for, you know, probably close to 20 years. Uh, after the whole thing took place, you know, in the last chapter, Sodom and Gomorrah, Abraham feels like it's time to move along in the process. Um, he's, he, so he moves over into the land of the Philistines. Uh, it's still, um, it, it's in the sort of covenant promise of land that um, has been given to Abraham, but kind of on the outskirts and a pretty dangerous place to live. Uh, and I think, you know, what happens, and we saw this happen before, um, all of a sudden Abraham goes from walking by faith to walking by sight. That was the big, you know, thing that we saw with Lot and how he got in trouble. Now all of a sudden, um, Abraham starts to get afraid. Um, and, and um, you know, that... F- Fear, uh, the fear of man and, and faith in God just don't fit sort of in the same heart. Uh, it's like a snare. Uh, I think, you know, e- even though Abraham had just had this, uh, in chapters 18 and 19, this experience with God where God had come to him and promised him this neat thing and said, by this time next year, you're going to have a son and, and all these, you know, neat promises happen and they'd had the big discussion about, the, you know, what was going to happen to Sodom and Gomorrah and, and uh, Abraham had the courage to talk to God and, and if you, you know, 50, 40, 30, if you find 10, will you save it? And God had said yes. He'd, he'd had this experience with the presence of God, you know, where he waited for him uh, and waited on him uh, uh, there and had that fellowship with, with the Lord and with those two angels. And, and, and then, you know, judgment comes on the city uh, of uh, the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and for whatever reason, it, it just shakes Abraham to the place where suddenly he's, he's afraid again and he f- sort of forgets that God is God Almighty. I think sometimes we forget that. I think we can have those seasons in our life when God's moving and we, we know it and we get it and then all of a sudden something will happen and we start doubts raise and, and all of a sudden perhaps we, we sort of struggle with what's next. And, uh, and so Abraham sort of out of his fear pulls on an old trick that he has and uh, goes back to the, the same thing they tried before and um, they use this sort of half-truth and, and I think sometimes uh, I don't know how you feel about this but we're not supposed to lie uh, and I think half-truths are even worse because I think half-truths are what the enemy uses um, Generally, I mean, he uses all sorts of lies and deceptions, but he loves a half-truth. If he can just twist it a little, that's what he tried to do with Jesus in the temptation, and he does it with us all the time. Just take the truth and just twist it a little. That's why I get real concerned about half-truths. Because in effect, Abraham and Sarah weren't telling a bold-faced lie because um, it was true that they they were related this way at some level. They didn't have the same mother, but... uh, but they had the same father, so they were in effect brother and sister, but, you know, sort of um, not mentioning the fact that they were also married is an issue. Uh, and it wasn't unusual for the kings of those days to um, take to themselves unattached women who came into town as part of their harem. And that's what was happening. They, that would just be sort of a thing that was happening. And if you, if, uh, and so because he didn't say she's my wife, then she's available. Uh, 
and also, you know, she's, she's not 20 at this point in time. So Sarah's a pretty neat lady, uh, if you think about it. Um, but he, you know, he was like, bring her in. And um, they, they, they just never own up to the truth. They sort of do half-truths. And again, I think it's uh, half-truths just have enough deception in it to, um, to get you in trouble. And, and what happens, that's sort of, you know, as you move into 11, uh, verses 11, um, what Abraham uh, just assumes... Now, probably what's just happened is sort of influencing him with Sodom and Gomorrah, that, that Abimelech is a wicked man. He just doesn't ask, doesn't do anything, doesn't consult God, just makes this assumption, and out of his fear, makes his decision to tell half-truths. That um, it, would, it would be more effective, and think about this, more effective to deceive Abimelech than to trust God to work in that king's life. That's the issue. And so I think when you say it that way, then, then at some level it's more relatable because oftentimes we'll get stuck in that same thing. It's easier, we think, sometimes to deceive, even if it's just a half-truth, someone than it is to trust that God is going to work into that situation. When we do that, we're out in some pretty bad spots. But I, you know, I think we can all sort of own up to, hey, we've, we understand what that looks like because we felt maybe that there was no options but for us. And it's, it's usually always a, it's us not trusting God to be God. And, uh, and so we, we have to change our assumption that God won't work in a situation to the fact that God certainly can and often intervenes, you know, when we least expect it. And, and that's sort of what I, I take away from the chapter. It's really a, an issue of trusting God. Um, will you trust in Him even when uh, you think that it's going to be more incumbent on you to sort of finagle your way through? Uh, with half-truths or will you just decide that I'm going to stick to the truth and um, trust that God can deal with that situation better than I can Uh, and I think that we we go through that throughout our lives and I would like to say that you know sometimes I have done well and sometimes I haven't so uh, (laughs) they could write some fine stories (laughs) but fortunately canon is closed so I don't have to worry about it not that I would make it but you know what I mean so, something to think about in, in the whole process, and I think fascinating to watch. Uh, and so, you know, in, in, it's funny to watch, too, in verse 20. So Abraham kind of is a troublemaker in 20. In 21, he's going to be a peacemaker. If you just like to, I love to see the next chapter, you'll see him making peace. So, so here we see actually causing trouble for Abimelech. Could have caused significant trouble. And had, in fact, already put Abimelech's household in a position where God's response had been that he'd sealed up the wombs of everybody in his family, which would have been death to his family quickly because there would have been no more offspring um, really significant that he'd put Abimelech in that spot and Abimelech even says what have I done to you <laughs> and how about you know God in his dream saying he's a prophet you got to think really those are your prophets <laughs> that, that guy's a big liar <laughs> but that's what he'd done to his own witness you know that was his testimony so anyway I think pretty interesting stuff so uh, always good to consider those things and and uh, I enjoy the the chapters of Genesis. Next one's a good one, too. But that's it for tonight. Good enough. Uh, If you're watching my video, thank you. And uh, love to see you and have you here soon.